This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. How are you all doing? I hope you're well. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine. Hope you're avoiding monkeypox, uh, avoiding everything else like that. And um, just looking forward to um, the next season with the Mighty Reds. Lots to talk about, of course, with sign-ins coming in and um, the fixture list that has been released. Um, uh, so I'm joined by two heavyweights. Very, very proud to have them on board once again. Joe Rimmer is here. How are you, Joe? I'm all right. I'm, I'm trying not to be a heavyweight. My my wedding is coming up soon, so I'm desperately trying to lose weight, Neil. So yeah. I'd rather be a flyweight um, or a featherweight. That's, That's all right, then. You can be yeah. a you can be a bantam. Bantamweight, perfect. A heavy bantamweight. Um, <laughs> it's hard to avoid eating all the time because the whole world smells of weed these days, doesn't it? Um, it's permanently got the munchies. Matt Addison's here as well. Hello, Matt. How are you doing, pal? Yeah, it's all good, mate. All good. The uh, the fixtures coming out this week is certainly. Uh... Made you realise how quick the uh, the new season's going to come around, hasn't it? It could, could do with a slightly longer break, to be honest, but we are where we are. Pre-season it, just it, around the corner. It really is. I mean, you know, it, it, the footballers really are, let's face it, the footballers really aren't getting a break at all, are they? You only have to look at um, some of the performance that the, uh, the the three Lions have put in lately to realise that, um, you know, some, they need a holiday, don't they? They need some sort of break. The, 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 it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because... This event that's on now, Joe, it's 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 beyond pointless, isn't it? Ridiculous is the word, isn't it? I was thinking the exact same. You know, I I, I must admit, I don't watch any international football really. I watch you know the Euros, the World Cup, but like it, I wouldn't have even known when England were playing. You know, um, which probably isn't great for this job. But, but yeah, I mean, the other, the other night, you know, I'd say that they got beat by Hungary, and I just can't believe that in the season that these players have had. They're still playing football, you know, and we're in the middle of June, you know, and then they, you know, that this season kicks off early as well because we've got a good World Cup. So, like, I actually think with players, I mean, I know people say, oh, they paid that much, but I feel sorry for them. They never stop playing football. Um, so they need, they need a break because it's just getting, getting crazy the amount of games they play. And who's bothered about the Nations League, really? Come on. It's just I mean, made it, it, up competition. Well, it is. It's 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 a made of competition to generate money. That's all it is. Let's face it. And um, uh, and uh, you know, a footballer will tell you they want to play all the time, and people who love football say they want to get out there every time. But they might want to, but their their tendons don't, and their and their muscles don't, and and uh, their general levels of fitness probably don't. And you know, the human body needs a break. And I haven't watched much of it myself. I turned over to see that that we getting beat by four 0 by Hungary. Um, Tells you that they're not quite snapping into the tackles, are they? They're not quite picking up the ball. I would presume that's that, that's what's happened there. Um, I did catch some of an early in England game a couple of weeks ago, and, and about three or four England players went down at the challenges and were just holding up, you know, putting their arm up to the bench, saying, "I'm, I'm I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, Matt. I think that this is going to happen, and then we're expecting these players to. I, I would imagine probably have a week off if that before they're getting back to training and starting. A season and a season in the Premiership as well, mate. Yeah, it's it's just crazy, isn't it? It's um, I think it was Kevin De Bruyne. I can't remember the exact word he used, but I think he he said it was it was pointless or something like that. So it's not even like the the players involved want to to be playing in these matches. I've been been fortunate. I've been away on holiday whilst England and, and all of these internationals have been going on. So completely oblivious to to what has happened and, and what's gone on, but. I don't know. It's it, it's just a 
it's a situation that I think has, has got to, to change at some point, hasn't it? The, the World Cup has not helped, obviously, move into the winter and making the summer shorter. I think it maybe will help to a certain extent, certainly for those players who are not involved. And you look at someone like Mohamed Salah next season, for example, I'm already looking looking forward to him having a sort of mini pre-season in the middle of that season. I think that's going to be going to be really beneficial. But yeah, there's there's just too many games, isn't there? And, Jurgen Klopp said it pretty much since he came into to Liverpool and, and came to the Premier League. There's got to be some sort of solution. Every time he says it, people are very quick to suggest that he's you know being ridiculous because he's got a big squad and he's got all of these players and he's got his way with the five subs and all of that sort of thing. But yeah, I think uh, if ever it was going to be proven, I think the uh, performances from what I've heard in, in the Nations League, not just from England, but from certain other countries as well in the, the last few weeks, pretty much, I think, sums up the, the story, doesn't it? There's, there's just too many games and, and pre-season is, what, less than less than three weeks away? Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Well, all right, well, let's talk about Liverpool, of course. That's what we're here for. That's what we want to do. Um, between last season end and, of course, Liverpool's trophy parade and then starting to get this season going again, um, obviously changes afoot at Liverpool. Sadio Mane, Joe, um, I think a third off has been tabled or is is on the verge of being tabled. I mean, the previous two offers, I know his age. You know, I know he's he's the wrong end age-wise, but um, 30 million quid's an insult, isn't it, Joe? I think so. I think it's, it's a you know, buying me playing the game a little bit. You know, I think both teams posturing a little bit, letting, letting Bayern build up to, to a bid that I think both teams will be able to put out to their respective fan bases and say, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Liverpool get, say, 40 million quid after a number of different clauses are met, whereas Bayern say, oh, we've paid 30 million quid and certain clauses along the way if they get met, you know, and, and they, they both sort of put it out a different way. But I think it's just a bit of posture. And maybe in Bayern's mind, they'd be thinking, well, Liverpool paid 25 million for Thiago in quite similar circumstances. I think he was 29 at the time, had a year left of his contract. So I think Bayern um, may feel that they're owed one by Liverpool, but... Um, you know, I don't see Liverpool doing business for the types of fees. And and just the add-ons, you know, I think obviously Liverpool let it be known that they, they thought the add-ons in the, the latest bid, which was, um, what was it, like something like him winning the, the Ballon d'Or three seasons in a row and then winning the Champions League three seasons in a row, uh, were just, um, well, slightly laughable. So I, I, think, I think they will come to an agreement. There is obviously... The player wants to go there. I think probably he's got an agreement now with with Bayern over personal terms, and it's just a case of of public posture between two clubs before they they do get a deal done. I don't really see there being any issue there. Liverpool obviously are confident enough to go and sign uh, and break their transfer record on a replacement, so it'll get done um, fairly soon, I think. But the next couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be very sad, you know. You know, I'm a big believer in teams evolving, and I think. I'm a big believer in selling players at the right time. And as far as you know, I'm concerned about Mane, I think it probably is the right time. A year left in his contract. All of those front three sort of getting older. Um, he seems to have a good good value now, um, coming off a good season. But I think for Liverpool, it makes sense to sell him now. Uh, but what a, what a servant he's been, what a player, what a joy. Um, it's been to watch him, you know, from that first game against Arsenal where he scored that extraordinary goal with his left foot, jumped on Klopp's back. Just love the man ever since. It's been uh, it's been great to watch him play for Liverpool. So, um, be gutted to see him go. But yeah, I think Bayern's a great club for him, and 
be quite happy for him and, and, and cheer him on there. So um, I expect that sort of to be sorted in the next few weeks. Um, I'm sure Liverpool do, having made that Darwin Nunes deal. Yeah, a bit of sweet, isn't it, uh, Matt? Joe's just summed it up. I mean, what a player. What an attitude, what a player. What a, you know, when you think about the speed, his strength, his defensive capabilities in the air, left foot, right foot. I mean, it, he's almost one of the footballers that takes two players to replace, really, isn't it? Because he offered and still offers, obviously, so much um, as a footballer and, and gets around the pitch so much. And, and, and was just, ironically, you know, we'd had that season, hadn't we, where he... he couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo from three foot, could he? He was knocking it, he was making the wrong decisions. And yet the last half, the latter half of last season, he, he was he was the saviour for Liverpool, really, wasn't he? Because you know, Mohamed Salah had that dip that never he never recovered from. I mean, it was a it was a trough that he never got out of, really, was it? And if it wasn't for the the form of Sadio Mane uh, in the latter half of the season, we'd we'd have struggled a little bit. So it's gonna be really, really sad to see him go. It's, it's gonna feel really odd not to see him starting uh, in a Liverpool shirt. But you've got to wish that man everything but success, haven't you? Because he owes Liverpool Football Club and his fans nothing, really. He's been an incredible servant, Matt. Yeah, 100%. And I think he was the the, the first sort of transformational signing, wasn't he, for, for Jurgen Klopp? He was the first one that came in and you could really see that the Liverpool... The, the Liverpool model, really, which they followed. Obviously, he was a player that I think a few people would have had a few concerns about his inconsistencies at Southampton. He tended to have sort of two or three games where he was good, and then went missing for ten games. But Liverpool managed to, to spot something in there and and transform him really into to a world class player. At one point it looked inevitable that he would eventually go on and, and win the Ballon d'Or. I think if Liverpool had won the Champions League this season, I think that probably would have ended up happening. I think there's you know there's, there's such a big big gap to, to fill in terms of, of what he offered the team, certainly in the second half of, of the season, but just the, the sheer volume of goals as well. It's it, it's not as much as Mohamed Salah, but it's still you know a huge, huge void to fill. And obviously Darwin Nunez is is the man that Liverpool expect to, to be able to, to do that. I think it's it's interesting in terms of, of Sadio Mane. We don't quite know yet exactly what he wanted to, to move on for, whether he just felt that he'd come to the end of his journey at Liverpool, he'd you know achieved everything he'd he'd wanted to and maybe just wanted to, to go across to, to Bayern and experience German football. But you know, there, there were some reports in, in Germany this week that he'd been offered a, a deal of I think around three hundred and twenty thousand pounds a week. It's not short uh, not far short of, of about three times what he's on at, at Liverpool. So I do wonder whether there's there's a little bit of, of Liverpool kind of accepting that they weren't ever going to be able to offer him that sort of deal. We've seen how long it's it's sort of dragged on with Mohamed Salah. Maybe there's there's a bit of, of Liverpool that thinks, you know, it, it was the right time for, for the evolution for, for them as well. It was an opportunity to obviously spend a huge transfer fee on Darwin Nunez, but I would imagine he's on you know, similar sort of wages to what Mane was on at, at Liverpool. It, it does kind of feel like the right time as, as much as it's, it's hard to say goodbye and it's hard to, to kind of you know, find a player that's going to be able to, to come in and, and do what Sadio Mane has done for, for Liverpool. I think it's it's one of those where it's it's the next evolution on the pitch, but it's also a kind of a little bit of a reset with the rate, but the, the wage structure as well, which is uh, is going to be interesting considering the situation that Mohamed Salah finds himself in with, with 12 months left. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with that yet, but it's an exciting deal, I think, for, for Liverpool. If, if they go into the season and, and Mane has left and, and Darwin Nunez has arrived, I think you'd be you'd be fairly confident that they've got the right player, I think, to, to be able to, to kick on and, and sort of achieve what they need to achieve next season. But yeah, it, it'll be a big loss. I think, you know, he's been such a huge part of, of what Liverpool have done. But 
I think history would suggest that they've tended to get these deals right. And it's it's not quite the same as, as a Coutinho or, or a Wijnaldum. I think it's it's going to be certainly a bigger loss than that. But even so, I think you'd back Liverpool to, to find the right player. And obviously, Darwin Nunez is that man. Do you think there's a, an element, and I, I, it might just be me saying this, but playing devil's advocate, do you think there's an element with Sadio Mane that there always seemed to be a feeling that he was in the shadow of Salah? Playing for Liverpool, always that feeling of, you know, if anyone's getting subbed, I'm getting subs off first. And we know he had his little his little spat, didn't he? And uh, do you always get that? I, I often get that feeling sometimes that he feels like, not that this would have anything to do with the move, I don't think. I think I think Matt's just summed it up. I think we're talking a financial reason and one way and a financial reason for Liverpool the other way. But um, he often feel like he was, he, not the forgotten man, but, but certainly kind of in, in Mo, Salah's, uh, Mo Salah's shadow for, for most of his career at Liverpool, John. I think so. Um, yeah, I actually really, really do believe that. I think for, for Mane, one of the reasons why I think Bayern will appeal is because with Lewandowski looking like he's moving on, um, he'd go and be their big star, which he wasn't really at Liverpool. And if you look at the season just gone, you know, Salah gets all the attention, you know, whenever there's there's talk about contracts. Um, we were talking about Salah's, you know, that there didn't seem to be as many people worried about Mane's as the worst Salah. And, and Mane had a season, you know, you know, he qualified for the World Cup with Senegal over Salah's Egypt. He won the African Cup of Nations over Salah's Egypt. Um, you know, he, he had a really good goal return for Liverpool. He played centrally for them. And I definitely think with footballers and I think you're kidding yourself if you think that any footballer doesn't have an ego because they don't get to that level without having some sort of ego. That They want to be a big star. And I think for Mane, if he wants to win things like the Ballon d'Or, he needs to be talked about. He needs to be known on the world stage. And yeah, I definitely think you're right. I think there probably will be part of Mane that thought at Liverpool I was never going to be that. And, and even from Liverpool's point of view, there's an obvious... They obviously want Salah to sign a new contract. They obviously their priority is to get him to, to agree terms. And Mane probably just wasn't as big a priority. Um, Liverpool would probably never admit that, but I think that is the reality of it. And um, you know what Matt was saying there about wages. Uh, I think what we understand is that Nunes will be on significantly less than what Mane was on, um, and, and more on the, the terms that sort of a Diaz. Um, Will have come in on with Jota will, will have come in on, so I think for Liverpool as well financially, it might mean that they can offer Salah better terms without upsetting the apple cart of having a man then saying, Okay, well, if you've given him X amount a week, I want the same. So I think for Liverpool, it makes sense to let him move on if he goes and gets big wages at Bayern, then they might be able to look again and, and offer Salah something closer to what he wants. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a key part for Klopp and managing a squad, isn't it? Managing egos and, you know, preempting any concerns that they might have. I, I always say it and as much as it, it annoyed me, you know, at the time, I, I was always sort of in awe of how Alex Ferguson did it. And at times he'd get criticised for, for kicking players out of the club at times when they looked like they were, they were in their prime. But he managed to always keep all the egos in check. And I think Liverpool perhaps in, in, a, in a kinder way of doing that with money. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, let's talk about our new number nine then, Stroke 27. Um, he's certainly the nine position, Darwin Nunes. Um, very, we were very impressed when Liverpool played Benfica both legs he managed to score, didn't he? He's, uh, he's, he's, uh, what does he bring, Matt, 
to, to those of you listening. And hello, everyone listening to this. Anyway, thank you for your continuing support for all of our podcasts. What does he bring, Matt, to uh, to a lineup and, and uh, to the Liverpool team? And how much does Liverpool have to change um, the lineup to, to to incorporate him and to, 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 to integrate him into a new uh, side? I certainly think he offers something different to what Liverpool have got. I think he is closer to a, a kind of traditional number nine than, than what Liverpool have, have got. And obviously we've seen Roberto Firmino play that role. Diogo Jota has, has started to do it a little bit more and obviously Sadio Mane as well. And they all do slightly different things. I think Darwin Nunez is, is slightly different again. He's one of those who's got a lot of pace and can kind of run in behind, but he can also do a bit of the hold-up play and, and link play as well, which I think is is important. I don't think it's as much of a shift as maybe what some people are thinking. I think there is definitely a, an opportunity really to to mould him. I think we, we shouldn't forget he's still only 22. He's a player who's got a lot of, of quality, but he's still got a lot of, of room to grow. And I think coming into this Liverpool team, it's not going to be a case of he's just going to be you know, on the, the, the shoulder of the last man and, and running in behind. I think the way that the Premier League is at the moment, teams just don't play in a way that Liverpool can do that against them. I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts almost similar to the way I think that Erling Haaland adapts. I think when he goes to, to Manchester City, he's not going to have that opportunity just to run in behind as he can, obviously, for, for Borussia Dortmund in the, the Bundesliga. I think it's it's going to be a bit of a, an adaptation for, for him as well. So I think there's, there's certainly other elements of Darwin Nunez's game that we're going to see at Liverpool. I think it was interesting as well that in his first interview, he mentioned Roberto Firmino and wanting to learn from him a couple of times. I think that's something that we're really going to see. I think that kind of side of his game is is probably the area to, to develop, the, the kind of link play, the ability to, to make the right decision at the right time, which, you know, as I said, he's only 22. You don't expect that necessarily to, to be perfect at, at that age. But I think the one thing he will guarantee is goals. I think his finishing ability is ability to, to score all kinds of, of different goals, whether that's outside the box, inside the box with his head. I think he's one of those players that if you give him half an opportunity, I think he's he's going to take it. And like you say, we we saw that in, I think it was was one goal in in the home and, and away game, wasn't it? But he had a couple more that were were ruled out for, for offside. I think you could just see really he's, he's a natural finisher. He's a player who is going to be probably getting, you know, 20, 30 goals and in an ideal world, whether that happens straight away, obviously, we don't know, but you'd you'd hope certainly that that he is kind of a guarantee of that moving forwards. And yeah, like I say, it's it's interesting. Liverpool can go one of, of a few ways, but I don't think it's necessarily one where we're going to see them playing completely differently. They're going to change formation. They're going to do loads of different things differently. I do think it's, it, it's one way you can kind of play him in a kind of Diogo Jota or Firmino type role, he'll get the goals, but he can also do the other stuff as well. Yeah, interesting. Good stats as well, Joe. Thirty-four goals in forty-two or forty-one games. Um, <clears throat> and you go with you go with your first instinct, don't you? And I can remember when we first played them and seeing them and just thinking that guy's a bit of a nightmare. He, he's going ironically in a similar way, but obviously it hasn't turned out that way this time around, but uh, hopefully this will be different. So in the same way as when I saw Taki playing, when we played against him and he, and he, he scored an absolute belt and then we, we get him for, for buttons virtually. Obviously looks very much like Taki's going the other way, unfortunately, because he's one of them players that I'd really like to see develop at Liverpool, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen simply because his price tag was so low that, you know, anything they sell him for over 10 mil is going to be a profit in it. But Nunes, uh, Nunez seems to uh, seems to uh, be an exciting player, Joe, doesn't he? Someone who can, it's that pace as well and hoping that he can uh, he can pair it with Diaz on one side, Salah on the other. And then, of course, you've got um, 
Jota and you've got um, Firmino as well. So when, yeah, obviously when we had to get rid of um, when we had to get rid of uh, Origi, it looked like we were lights up front. We seem to have cemented that again now, don't we? Yeah, in a funny way, I actually think he'd be a good replacement for Origi, not in the sense of his role in the squad, but giving Liverpool a, perhaps a more direct option um, up front, someone who, who's going to pick the ball up and run with it, and someone who perhaps is going to be a bit more of a penalty box player. Uh, you know, like you, you know, I think pretty much every Liverpool fan when they saw him in both legs, he just looked like he had something about him. He always looked dangerous, especially in the three-three. You know, it felt like he, he was constantly going to hurt us. So, um, you know, he's really exciting. Just follow up on something Matt said as well there. I find it fascinating, you know, Liverpool and City, that, you know, their, their fortunes so closely aligned. And the fact that they've both gone out and bought sort of in their own way, you know, City have bought the, the sort of glamour one, Liverpool perhaps have bought the, the up-and-comer, but um, have gone and bought, you know, big headline-grabbing centre-forwards this summer. And it'll be interesting what impact they have because I feel like Liverpool's will have... Slightly, like Matt said, slightly less of an impact on how they play. Whereas City, you know, I, I really do wonder how Haaland will fit in there. I think he's. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not in any way casting doubt on Haaland because I think he's an incredible, an incredible footballer. Um, and I think any team in the world would be desperate to have him. But, but I do find that City. What I've always thought was so good about them is they they play with so many midfield players. They they virtually just play with four defenders and a load of midfielders, don't they? And and they control games. They're almost a little bit, again, I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but almost a bit boring to watch at times because they have so much possession and they grind teams down and pass them to death. Uh, I wonder when you've got a centre-forward like Haaland, whether they're going to be able to do that as much, whether they're going to have to take more chances, whether that means when they lose the ball, they might be a little bit more open and don't have someone to track back as much. And You know, it'll be interesting... Because that's what's been like in the last four or five years. The, these two teams, you know, it, it's been watching these two teams sort of deal with whether it be injuries, whether it be the fixture list, whether it be other things. And it'll be interesting to see how the two teams deal with, you know, really different centre forwards coming into their teams. And I think the one that adapts better could be the one that really, you know, starts the season well. So um, I'm fascinated by that. I must say, must say, I'm really fascinated to see how City adapt to having Haaland because I. Just got a sneaky feeling it might not be as easy as some people think, and he might score 15 goals in the opening three games. But when it gets into the nitty gritty of the season, whether he helps them control games, I'm just really keen to see whether that happens. It's really interesting isn't it? because I, I, I was, I was always, we never had any doubt that Harlem was going to go to City or, you know, Liverpool have been linked with him and, and Mbappe for three seasons, four seasons now, and it's ridiculous because as a Liverpool fan, we know. We know the strategies that Liverpool used to get players in, and they were never ever going to go anywhere near. Even though City have, you know, thinly disguised this as a fifty-two million pound purchase, which we all know is nearer to one hundred ninety to two hundred million. Um, that's the only reason why they've been able to go out and get this player, really, isn't it? But there's no doubt in his quality. I mean, he scored twenty-one goals in twenty-one international games now. Every single football and record score and stats that he comes up with. He's, he's miles ahead of anyone and has been for, for, for the last seven or eight years. He's as a youth player onwards. He's an extraordinary talent. He's huge. He's strong. Um, you know, 90% of me is convinced that he's going to absolutely tear the Premiership a new one. Um, 
you know, there's a doubt over his fitness. There's a doubt over his, his ability to um, to get injured quite often. And the Premiership is a very, very tough league. It's the toughest league in Europe. There's no doubt about that. He's going to be getting crunched into quite often. Um, but I think this Nunez signing was massive for Liverpool in, 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 in a couple of ways. Matt, not only did we need to replace, obviously, the outgoing Mane and Rigi with someone with quality, but it was almost a... It was almost a counterpunch for City, wasn't it? Because City went out close season. They won the league, albeit by a point again. But they won the league and then knew that they were having this Haaland to uh, to come in and it was going to be, you know, uh, everything smelling rosy. And then it feels to me like there's a little bit of a counterpunch by Liverpool because Nunez is an exciting player we've seen quite a bit of and, and we know is more, off, more likely than not to, going to set fire to the league himself. So if Liverpool needs to keep that momentum with City, they had to do this, didn't they? Yeah, it's it's all about perception, isn't it? I don't think it, it should particularly matter. I think we saw last summer that Liverpool were written off by a lot of people because they'd only signed Ibrahim Konate, and I think you know most people would would think that he's now one of, of the best young players in the world and would be very very happy with that. But when you compare it to to what Chelsea or Manchester United did, there was a kind of feeling that Liverpool had, had been left behind. That certainly won't be the case this time around, but. I just think you know, with with what Liverpool have done, it's it's it, it's a move which is it is not really about Manchester City. It's it, it's just making sure that they continue their own evolution. It, it makes sure. I think he's signed a six year contract, hasn't he? So it's it, it's one of those very much for for the long term that he can be developed under Jurgen Klopp. And you know, it, it, I think there's there's a good chance we'll see a fair bit of him before the World Cup happens. But it wouldn't massively surprise you if Liverpool took the view of well. You know, we've got other players. You've got Diogo Jota to play there. You've got Diaz and Salah. It wouldn't massively surprise you if they kind of eased him into this. And again, I'm sure there would be, you know, a lot of, of comment from other, you know, supporters or, you know, other bits of, of media and things like that around, you know, what the, the right plan would be. And having spent all that money, you've got to throw them in. But I just think you've got to trust what, what Liverpool do. They, they obviously got the record of, of getting the right players in. They got the right player um, integrated at the right time, and I just think it's it, it, it's more about what this means for for Jurgen Klopp and, and what it means for Liverpool for the next few seasons. I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people wanted Liverpool to to kind of match what Manchester City did, but you know, Manchester City have, have done that now for for a number of seasons. They spent 100 million on Jack Greenish last summer when most people didn't particularly think that he was necessary. To be honest, I think that the Ellie Holland thing is is almost more about the Champions League than the, the Premier League. To be fair, I think there's there's only so many points you can get in the Premier League. They've pretty much got you know I can't see them getting more than than a hundred points. For example, they've done that in the past. They've been up there, you know, ninety plus. I think you know the the signing of Ellie Holland is is more a a European thing than than a Premier League thing. I just think there's. The, the the two teams, Liverpool and Manchester City, the last few seasons have just been so good. It's as close to perfection as, as you can realistically get to, to a certain extent. And it'd be interesting to see, obviously, you know, which of, of Nunez or, or Holland does best next season. But either way, I just think, you know, for, for Liverpool, it's it, it, it's all the focus on themselves, really. They need this for, for themselves rather than, than the perception against Manchester City. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. I have noticed, Joe, I've noticed a, a fair bit of hoo-ha um, from certain corners of, of Liverpool fans saying it's far too much money to spend. It's far too much, you know, why are they, why are they spending that much money on one player? It's funny, isn't it? Because 
I think you raised on the head there, Max. It's about having trust in, in the process. And then if we can't trust Klopp and his decisions and, and his back his back his backstage team, if you like, um if we can't trust their decisions by now, well we're never going to, are we? It's it, what excites me about the Nunes deal is that it's not only are we buying a player that looks fantastic, but we're buying a player who looks fantastic who's about to play under Jurgen Klopp. Which means that you can you can at least double how good he's gonna be and how good he is. Because that's what Jürgen Klopp brings to a footballer. He's very rarely stands a footballer that he doesn't make better. And it's, you know, yes, it's a big price tag. But the last two times we've gone anywhere near that price tag were to buy Alisson and Van Dijk, which also tells you that they don't go for those big price tags unless they really are absolutely certain that they have a real potential on their hands, a real star on their hands, and someone who can really threaten City's dominance again. So it's, it's it has surprised me a little bit, Joe, that there has been a little bit of a... A, a, a kind of mixed reaction to to the, to the amount of money. It is it is an obscene amount of money, but that's that's not our fault. That's 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 other clubs that have perpetuated that 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 lifted that bar. But I kind of like the fact that Liverpool have gone with this a little bit and thought, well, we're not we're not letting go of 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 the dominant city's got. We're not we're not going to give up. You know, we're four. We, I know this sounds daft. I know this is a bit like you know, if your auntie had a pair of knackers, she'd be your uncle. I know it's all lifts and hands, but four matches. Going the other way for us would have meant that we'd have been on our third Premiership, heading into our fourth possible Premiership title, and eight European Cups. That's how far he's pushed us. That's how far this team's going on the clock. We have to keep the faith that this player... I've also heard stories that he's been on the radar for quite a while, Joe. So this is a player that really excites me, and it's something that I think everyone should be getting behind. I mean, yeah, I must have been. I've seen many complaining, but if anyone is... Like you just said, I, I couldn't say it better. If if you can't trust the people at Liverpool to, to get transfers right now, then then you never will because they they always do. And and, and I find especially if they're going to spend this amount of money, it's because they're very very sure. And um, you know, having got it so spot on again with Diaz in January, to me, you know, this is a player that they've tracked for a long time that they they they're confident in. And, and with Klopp's effect, you would expect him. To justify the money, you know, one of the other things I found quite funny is you do get the um, all the bouncer accounts saying, I seen one that got really wildly retweeted saying, Yeah, and Klopp said he'd never spend 100 million plus on a player. So, first of all, he's not, so that's literally wrong. And second of all, you know, again, those, those comments taken totally out of context. And, um, you know, if, if you look at what Liverpool have spent, they, they don't, you know, they, they're buying Nunes, but they will sell Mane, you know. that. If you look at what Man City and Man United spend, and again, you know this is this is lost in, in in the banter world of football. Is that Liverpool have done it whilst managing the squad constantly, you know, and, and they they don't go out every summer and spend 100, 200 million and and not try and balance the books in some way. So they'll they'll do that with Mane, and um, you know City will will buy Haaland, but okay, they might sell. Jesus, but they, they, they're not going to sell someone that's a regular starter and someone that's going to have scored a load of goals for them last season. And the same goes for Man United, the same goes for Chelsea more often than not. So I, I think Liverpool deserve great credit. And, you know, if they feel that, that Nunes at 85 million is the right amount of money to spend to replace Mane, then they have my full backing because even if he hasn't scored in the first 10 games, I'd still back them to come good because of how good they've been in the market. So, uh, yeah, I. I'd find that totally bizarre if people were doubting it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, apparently even Simon Jordan backed us on on uh, and the ex Crystal Palace owner. Um, he very rarely backs Liverpool, but as a businessman, 
said it was absolutely sound business and uh, and Liverpool do sound business and that's that, that's just something you have to take for the fact. We're just looking forward to seeing how good he can be, how much of a threat he can be, and how much he can he can he can show for the for, for Liverpool. Um, Matt, we're talking about incoming, obviously with Nunes. Outgoings we mentioned Tacky, obviously. Um, uh, Divock has gone as well. Um, other potential outs? Uh, have you heard anything on? I mean, Nico Williams, Fulham will want to, to to take him full time. I think Andy. Any anyone? Anyone else you've heard about on the way out? Ox to United, I've heard. There's all kinds of rumours flying about the place. Anything you can, uh, you've can you heard about? Yeah, I think the, the Nico one is is one that you'd look at. I think Nat Phillips is one. There's there's a few players that you can kind of predict that Liverpool would would be open to, to selling heading into the summer. And, and that's obviously the, the case at, at the moment. So Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is is the interesting one, whether it's it's Manchester United or, or somewhere else. I think it's... It's probably got to the point where it's it's maybe better for for him and, and for his career to go and, and find somewhere where he plays regularly. I think you know, it's it's easy to forget, similar with Minamino and, and one or two others, really. That just because they don't play that much for Liverpool doesn't mean that they couldn't go to you know a, a Europa League club and, and play every week, possibly even certain Champions League clubs if if they were to move abroad. So I think there's there's certainly an opportunity if the right sort of money is is put on the table for for those players that, that they might go but I think Liverpool in terms of, of incomings I think the, the Darwin Nunez one is is probably the the significant one I'm sure you know a lot of people would be desperate to, to sign Jude Bellingham but that's always been really considered as, as one that would be far far more likely to, to happen next season obviously James Milner signed a new contract there's there's not a real need I don't think for, for Liverpool to, to make too many more changes from this point onwards but I suppose it's it, it's just those fringe players, isn't it? I think obviously the Sadio Mane one will be a, a significant one if they get what they want for for Williams and Phillips. That's another significant amount. That's what probably the the best part of of twenty five million or, or something like that for for those two. So I think there's there's still a, a fair bit to do in terms of of that. And obviously the other big consideration as well is is what you do with the the contracts. We've not really not really heard too much on on that for a while now. Obviously Mohamed Salah is is the main one, but then you've got the decision to make on Naby Keita as well. There's one or two others as well. Roberto Firmino is one. I think there's 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 still there's still a number of things for for Liverpool and Julian Ward to, to think about this summer. But I think Liverpool at this stage would, would be fairly relaxed about it. Fabio Cavallo is is already in. Calvin Ramsey is one that they're looking at. You'd imagine that he would be kind of a, a straight swap in, to, in terms of the squad for for Nico Williams. I don't think there's there's loads of, of major things that Liverpool need to do. I actually think if, if you look at Manchester City, they've probably got a, a bigger to-do list than, than Liverpool, which is, is maybe not being talked about too much. They've got you know, a bit of, of surgery to do with one or two positions. But yeah, for, for Liverpool, I think they'll be they'll be fairly relaxed at, at this point. And if they don't sell the players, if they don't get the, the money that they want for them, I think, again, they'd probably be quite happy to, to keep hold of them. We saw the, the benefits of, of that last season with the two trophies that they ended up winning. A lot of that was was to do with the the squad and the depth that they have. So, yeah, if they get the right prices for these players, I think they'll go. But if ultimately Alex Oxley Chamberlain was to to stick about for another season, I, I don't think anyone really could complain. I don't think you know they'd be missing out on too much money. And if you've got him to to play in the the League Cup and the FA Cup and maybe you know one or two of, of the league games, I don't think that would be a bad thing. Yeah, uh, Matt just touched on it, Joe. It's great to see you here. James Milner signing an extension, isn't it? And, it, and it's a, it's testimony to what we what is felt about him, both as fans and and the club as well. And of course, Jurgen Klopp to 
for a player of his age to get an extension is very rare at a club like Liverpool. But on one hand, you're probably looking at James Milner saying, well, where am I going to go that isn't Liverpool, for God's sake? I mean, he's fell in love with the place. They've We've fallen in love with him. He's a legend already. But um, he knows he's got... I think the thing about it is that he knows he's trusted enough by Klopp that he will get some action. It's not like an extended 12-month contract. You might, you probably won't play. We know James Milner's going to get on the pitch, and I think he knows that as well. And I think he knows it's at a pace and at an amount of time that he can handle it. But it's just a great testimony, isn't it, to the service he's put into Liverpool that he's still a priority for the Jurgen Klopp to try and get him nailed down at least for one more season. I still fully expect James Milner to be signing one-year extensions in 2032. It <laughs> just seems every year you think, well, it's probably James Milner retiring this year. No, he plays on. And, and uh, you know, last year, I think towards the end of the season, he came in and, and was, you know, played very well and, and was crucial in certain games. So, you know, like you say, I think he's he's very happy at Liverpool. He's, he's got the right fit. Uh, there and, and and also things like you know he's often spotted around the academy as he watching academy matches um, when he's not in the squad for certain games he still seems to be you know in the stands or on the sidelines being a part of things and I do wonder whether for him um, he's thinking about the next stage of his career and where better to do that in Liverpool I think they probably welcome him in open arms in, in an academy role at some point to try and kickstart a coaching career if that's what he wants to do so. You know, um, I think he's very valuable. I think he's very valuable um, to any young player coming in to look at James Milner and the way he conducts himself, the way he keeps himself in shape, the way he eats, the way he lives. Um, so that won't be lost on the clock. And, um, yeah, great to see him signing one-year extensions. Long may it continue. Um, as Matt said before, I think it'd be interesting this season whether if they can keep any of them squad players. I mean, you mentioned it before. I'd love them to keep Minamino because I just think he's, he's the perfect sort of squad player to have. Um, you know, that sort of somehow comes out the season with 10 plus goals from scoring in the League Cup, the FA Cup, a couple in the in Europe and, and a couple in the league. And it, it just it just keeps you in business when when others are injured or need a rest. So I'd love Liverpool to somehow keep their squad together, but I think there'll be a fair few players that probably deserve to go on and kickstart their career somewhere else. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Carvalho, of course, is a sign of me, which was done quite quite quickly. What kind of a player is he? And what kind? What do you think he offers positionally to Liverpool? And what does he offer in terms of goal scoring and um, and and also assisting? Because he was he, he did very 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 well for 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 um, um, Milosevic. I don't know what's I can never pronounce his name. The Fulham player. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember his name, but yeah, in terms of... Uh, <laughs> People screaming and walking the dogs going, it's such a... Yes. Um, Mitrovic. Uh, Mitrovic, there you go. Thank you. Yes. Well done, man. Yes. Pulled it out of thin air. Um, he seems to uh, assist and score quite a few goals as well. What what, what does he offer Liverpool? Because he's an exciting player that has sort of got under the radar with the acquisition of Nunez. Yeah, I think he's he's a really interesting one. I think that the indications are that, that Liverpool see him as being more of a, a forward player than than a midfielder, but he can kind of do can do both roles. I think that versatility will certainly help him. I don't think he's going to go out on loan next season, so he's going to be a, a part of the squad, and that would sort of suggest that he's been given assurances of of a kind of role and, and where he's going to get certain minutes. I imagine they'd probably come in, in the Cups to begin with. And obviously, if he impresses there, he can can kind of earn a, a bigger role in the squad. But I think it's it's really, really interesting because he's played 
basically is a, a pure number 10 for, for Fulham. They play a 4-2-3-1. They kind of give him a bit of a free roll. Obviously, that's not something he's going to get at Liverpool. He's going to have to, to fit into that 4-3-3 system unless they were to change it. And, you know, maybe Dota Nunez will, will make a, a difference in terms of, of the formation. I suspect probably not. But I think that the opportunity really for, for him is, is going to be to just learn from Jurgen Klopp. And similar to Nunez, obviously, Fabio Cavallio is a little bit younger again, but He's one of those players that you can kind of develop into to what you want. And the the thing is as well, it's it's really hard to predict, I think, with with these players. We saw Harvey Elliott came through and everyone thought he was going to play on the right-hand side of a front three and has ended up playing in midfield. Curtis Jones was basically a number 10 goal-scoring player, played on the left-hand side of a front three and now is playing a kind of more almost defensive midfield role at certain times for, for Liverpool. So... He's a hard one to kind of predict. The exciting thing for me is that I think we're we're going to see him in preseason come in, try and hit the ground running, and I think that the first couple of preseason games will will kind of get an idea of of what the plan is with him, whether that's to to play him wide, whether that's to play him kind of at the tip of the midfield. I think there's there's an opportunity there potentially to to play him through the middle as as kind of almost like a, a false number nine as as well for for him as as that kind of role. So. There's just, you know, there's so many answers to, to the question of, of where does he play? what What's his role going to be? I think part of, of the attraction of him is the fact that he can play in, in pretty much every attacking role. He's got that ability. He's, he's got that ability to, to, to carry the ball forwards and, and dribble, which makes me think possibly, you know, a wide area might be might be the kind of area that he ends up in just because, you know, if, if you can carry the ball and, and beat a player and, you know, kind of do the the kind of typical Liverpool things. There was one of the the clips I've seen of him actually during the international break was was for England's um, or for for Portugal's under twenty ones. I should say he's he switched nationalities now, but he kind of won the ball in the the opponent's half, played a pass into a player, Fabio Vieira, I think it was, and and the the goal came from that, and that that was a kind of of insight I think into to what Liverpool will will see him doing. If you look at his pressing numbers, very, very good at winning the ball back high up the pitch. Very good decision-making for, for someone so young in terms of finding the, the players in the, the final third. And obviously, you mentioned Mitrovic there. Mitrovic, absolutely brilliant in the championship last season, but is certainly nowhere near as good as the players that he's going to be playing with at Liverpool. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how much he plays to begin with and where he plays. But at the moment, I think Liverpool have basically got a real talented homegrown player obviously plays for Portugal but still counts as, as homegrown having grown up in England they've got a player that they can kind of mould into to whatever they want in that squad and I think if Liverpool do lose Minamino obviously lost Dibok Origi already having a player who can do a little bit of midfield a little bit of wide a little bit through the middle I think in terms of the squad depth that's probably no bad thing either yeah he's been likened to Dare I say, Coutinho, isn't he? In, in, in the way he plays and that drops his shoulder and likes to have a little shot and stuff, and they can can play little nice little one twos outside the box and then run in on the other end. So uh, an exciting an exciting player, Joe, and yet again another young player. This squad is is reducing in age, isn't it? Before our very eyes, it's very very cleverly done, and you know some of the older figures are, are sort of you know towards the end of their careers, apart from obviously the Greek god Milner. Um, but, uh, but it's great to see young players coming in. You've got, I mean, Harvey Ellis, of course, still probably, I would imagine, very much features in Klopp's plans at somewhere down the line. And um, Carvalho, very young. So it's just streamlining the, the age down as well, isn't it, for, for, for the next succession uh, for, for these Liverpool players? 
I think what, what Liverpool are doing well is they're buying young players who are coming in quite experienced. So, you know, Harvey Elliott was fairly experienced for, for his age when he came in. Um, they let him go out and on loan and play a lot of games at Blackburn. And then Carvalho was pretty much a full season um, at Fulham. And then Ramsey, if they can get that deal done, has played pretty much a full season as well himself. So they're, they're buying players that are sort of a step above youth team level, but at the age of, of, of youth team players. And, um, you know, that, that's that's fascinating. And, and, you know, Nunes, 22. And then even the players that are established at Liverpool. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold still is considered a young player, despite the amount of games he's already played, the amount of experience he's got at Liverpool. So, again, like you say, very clever at Liverpool for just starting to bring that average age down. And, and I think you saw towards the end of last season, it was just creeping up on Liverpool and it felt like they started needing a refresh. Well, it's sort of, they're doing it, you know, sort of hidden in plain sight, isn't it? Liverpool have been doing it for a couple of seasons now. And, um, you know, I, I think as we head into next season, it'll start to become more obvious that they've brought the average age down. And, you know, I'm talking there about fringe players, Minamino, I obviously am a big fan of, but I think Liverpool will look at it and think, well, Harvey Elliott will touch wood, hopefully not spend four months on the sidelines. They'll have a Carvalho to come into to a fringe player role and, and, and then perhaps uh, Calvin Ramsey as well. So those slots are being filled, but by, by much younger players. So, you know, it's, it's clever, isn't it, for Liverpool on, on two fronts to sort of have those experienced players in the team and then get get those young players getting experience and being part of the squad. So, exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, as we touched on at the start of the show, the uh, the fixtures for 22-23 have been released. First six games, quite interesting, boys. Fulham away. 6th of August, don't forget. I mean, literally, what are we, seven weeks away, six weeks away? Something ridiculous like that. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal to think that... There's a, an international tournament, tournament, tournament being played, and then, and then they're straight back at it. Fulham away uh, on the sixth of August. Then we've got Palace at home, Man United away. Interestingly, three games in. Uh, Bournemouth at home, Newcastle at home, and the sixth is Everton away. We have the derby, and we've got a Man United game in those first six games. I'm often a big fan of. Of hitting the ground running with, with, with the, and I always think it's something that City don't do very well. They don't, I don't think they start particularly campaigns very, very well. They certainly, they certainly get into gear. But um, an interesting one there for them six. Uh, you can see, can you see any problems there, Matt, at all? Uh, not necessarily. Don't forget, we've got Fulham and, and uh, Bournemouth. It's not all the easy ones like you know Everton and Man U. There are a couple of toughies. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good. I think the the biggest thing for me with the fixtures is that they're spread out, aren't they? The big games, the ones that you look for. It's not like they've got City, Everton, United, Spurs, Chelsea in a row. They've got them kind of you know split across the the season. And I think for me, I'm already looking at it as as a season of two halves. I mentioned it before. Obviously, the World Cup. I think what Liverpool have got to do is that first sixteen games, win fourteen, fifteen of those put yourself in a, a brilliant position for the title and, and get yourself, you know, the, the World Cup with a couple of key players who are not going able to, to have that rest and and come back and, and be rejuvenated. I think that's that's what it's got to be, hasn't it? I think the, the bar is so high from Manchester City. They might not start brilliantly, but they certainly end brilliantly. You've got to aim for, for 100 points, haven't you? So, yeah, the, the, first, the first few games, I think, have, have fallen okay for Liverpool. Obviously, Manchester United away, you'd expect it to be a little bit more difficult than it was last season. But I think the fact that it's come so early for Eric Ten Hag, 
you know, I don't think that's a, a bad thing either for Liverpool if you can go there and and get that before, you know, if if they do get themselves together this season, you'd rather play them sort of earlier rather than later ones that's sort of been allowed to, to take place. So, yeah, I think it's it's fallen quite nicely for Liverpool and, you know, anyone who says the order of the fixtures don't matter is, is absolutely wrong. They definitely do. They definitely always do. Liverpool City games, of course, are often vital, aren't they? Let's be honest with you. Uh, any victory that we'd have had in any of the uh, uh, the two games last season would have resulted in the league, quite simply. Um, LFC City home. The, the home game is, first of all, 16th of October, Joe. City versus Liverpool, April Fool's Day. Uh, these are all subject to change, of course, but uh, let's hope that falls firmly on City side as an April Fool. Um <laughs> But uh, yet again, we, we've hardly got time to rest, pal, haven't we? And we're back at it. But uh, first six fixtures there. Possibly Newcastle could be the strongest team out of all of them, depending on what kind of business they get done in the transfer. They've certainly got the open checkbook, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, like Matt's just said, I'm a big believer that the way the fixtures fall can be massive. And, and, and you know, I always look back to 2008-9 and 2009-10 and Liverpool got Tottenham didn't they, on the opening day of the season in 2009-10, got beat. And it sort of set the tone for the season. And, and, I, and I think having a sort of decent run in the early part of the season can just get fans in a buoyant mood, can, can fill the players with confidence. And then when you, you attack those big games or the, the tougher spells, they do it in a far more confident position. So, you know, Liverpool, I think they've had promoted teams in like five of the last six seasons. Uh, just thinking about it, that they have, um, they've had Norwich twice, haven't they? They've had... Um, who else have they had on the opening day of the season? Uh, I know they've had promoted teams anyway a lot, and, and Fulham coming, uh, going to Fulham early doors. You know, I, I think it's good to play a promoted team early because they, they're still at it. They want to attack. They want to play like they played in the Championship. And hopefully, should Fulham play like that with Liverpool, Liverpool will, will put them to the sword. And if you can gain some confidence early doors, score some goals, it really helps. I think clicking it into the gear. And those City games are massive. Again, glad Liverpool play at home first because I think if you can beat City. In your in your own ground, early doors. It's a psychological blow that you can deal in in title races now that have become so so close. And and Liverpool didn't win those games last year, and I think it hurt them a lot. Yeah, definitely, absolutely. It was the ends up vital, didn't he? Okay, let's just see what happens. We've got Bournemouth as well, of course, in that uh, in in that in the first six and the promoted side. Let's see what happens. Thank you very much, boys. The most important thing to leave us with, I think, is the fact that Liverpool are heading in the right direction with signings. I think they've made a massive counterpoints. A counter-punch signing with Nunez and I can't wait to see him in action. Mr Rimmer, thank you very much, my friend. Good to see you as always and I'll see you soon. Uh, Matt Addison, thank you once again, sir. Uh, join us soon for another one. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Whatever you do, appreciate all your support as ever. Uh, enjoy the sunshine. Uh, stay healthy and uh, we'll see you very, very soon or you can hear us very, very soon on another Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.